too much fun in church that's just not on. My name's Bron, for anyone who hasn't met me, I'm one of the pastors here. Hi. <laughs> Guess what? It's 10 days till Christmas. That's uh, 240 hours, if that makes you feel any better. Guys, that means it's 10 days for you to go and find your wife or your girlfriend or your mum, that perfect present. Now, truth be known, she probably dropped the hint about 50 days ago, but there's nothing like leaving it till the last minute, is there, Josh? So, 10 days to wrap those presents, 10 days to work out your Christmas menu, 10 days to spring clean, mow the lawn, most importantly, 10 days to work out whose house you're going to go to on Christmas Day and in what order so you don't offend anybody. Am I stressing you out? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the piece of Christmas later, so that's just to contrast that so you'll feel better. But the countdown has begun, hasn't it? And for me personally this Christmas, I feel like there's been two countdowns happening at the same time. Two countdowns simultaneously happening at the same time. Two countdowns to two different births. As most of you know, my son and daughter-in-law, Lee, are expecting their second baby any day now. Any moment now, she's home, but she's not in labour, so it's okay. Well, we don't think she is. But any moment now, the most amazing baby is going to come into the world. And we know that she's going to be absolutely amazing, special, beautiful, because look at her family tree. I mean, look at the grandparents on both sides. Look at the great-grandparents. Look at the, what are you? Siblings. I mean, she's just going to be amazing. But even I have to admit that there's a more amazing baby that was born 2,000 years ago that we are counting down to on Christmas Day, that we celebrate, of course, the birth of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, Christ with us. But there are some similarities to the birth of Jesus Christ and a regular birth. I mean, there was a gender reveal of some kind. I mean, gender reveals. Let's just talk about those for a moment. Haven't they become a phenomenon the last couple of years? I mean, just, they're just out of control. They kind of started with like the little, you know, gender reveal balloons and then the pinatas and then there was gender reveal nail polish. I'm not sure how that one works. But, and then the guys got involved and there were gender reveal paintball um, games and gender reveal burnout parties. I heard about that one. And then, you name it, it happens. I mean, some of them are unspeakable. But just watch this little YouTube and you'll see what I mean about craziness. Yes, it's an alligator. And yes, they are going to do a Ready? Come on, we're ready forever. Just watch. <laughs> you have to watch it to believe it. Yeah, it's a boy. That'll do. It's a boy. They used an alligator to do a gender reveal. That's just, yeah, that's, that's awesome. But you know what? Gender reveals are nothing new. God actually did his own gender reveals some 2,000 years ago. You don't believe me? Well, back in Abraham's day, he used an angel. I mean, it's better than an alligator, I reckon. An angel came to Abraham and Sarah 
And God's always next level, isn't he? Because Abraham and Sarah hadn't even conceived the baby. I mean, they were way beyond the age where you conceive. And the angel came to Abraham and Sarah and said, Abraham and Sarah, wait for it. You're going to have a baby and it's going to be a boy. And you're going to name him Isaac. And then years on, an angel came to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the angel says, Zach, you and Lizzie are going to have a baby. And wait for it. It's going to be a boy. And you're going to name him John the Baptist. And then, of course, an angel came to a 15-year-old unwed Mary. Wouldn't that freak you out as a 15-year-old girl? And said, Mary... You're going to have a baby by the Holy Spirit. And this is paraphrased, but wait for it, Mary. It's going to be a boy. And his name is going to be Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Three pretty spectacular gender reveals. Bit of a male imbalance going on there, but yeah, that's okay. We've made up for it here in Eastlake. We've got quite a few girls being born. In the old days, and by the old days I mean my day, we had a really good way of doing gender reveals. It was really, really creative. We waited till the baby was born and we went, ta-da! So 32 years ago, stand up, Ben. We went, ta-da, it's a boy! And his name's Benjamin. And then we didn't have mobile phones, so Aaron had to go and find a pay phone and he had to get the order right of who to ring first. That was very, very important, who to announce the birth to first. So how things have changed, eh? Hey? But when it came to not time to announce the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the one that they had been waiting for all those years, who would be the first people that would hear that life-changing, history-changing news? It was a bunch of shepherds. Of all the people in the world, why would God choose shepherds to tell that life-changing, history-changing news to? I mean, shepherds weren't wealthy. They weren't influential. They weren't even really respected in their day. They weren't Bible scholars. I mean, they smelled. They smelled of sheep poop. And yet they were the ones that God chose to be the audience of a heavenly invasion party, giving the news that actually would change history forever. I mean, from that moment onwards, think about it. History was measured from before Christ's birth and after Christ's birth. That's pretty spectacular, isn't it? And the shepherds were the first to hear that. Not the insiders, not royalty, not dignitaries, but a bunch of shepherds. Why? Well, because God, from that very first Christmas day, God wanted to demonstrate his love for all people. Didn't matter where you were from, what you'd done or what you hadn't done, whether you were educated or whether you weren't educated, God loves you. First John chapter 3, verse 1. This is how it is written. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. And that is who you are. So with that as our kind of fun foundational truth, what I'd love to do this morning is look at the actual birth announcement that those angels brought that, that night to that bunch of shepherds. 
So let's read it together. You can follow along with me on the screens. It's Luke chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom with God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Would you pray with me? Thank you, God, for your extravagant love for every one of us. And thank you that you are always wanting to reveal more of yourself to each one of us personally. We thank you that you are here right with us this morning. And we pray that you will speak to each one of us personally by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want to do for the next 15 minutes or so is just highlight three truths from that heavenly birth announcement and see how they still relate to us personally 2,000 years on from that announcement. They're simple, but they're profound. The first one is, the message of Christmas is good news. The message of Christmas is good news. The angel said it, don't be afraid, I bring you good news. What is the good news of Christmas? Well, in a nutshell, it's this, Jesus is God and Jesus is with us. Jesus is God and Jesus is with us. You know, when I hear that phrase, good news, I kind of conjure up in my head that it was shouted from a rooftop or it was this kind of heavenly megaphone, you know, good news that was shouted. But the truth was it was actually um, announced in kind of the middle of the night on the remote outskirts of a little town in Bethlehem. It was kind of done in secret, a bit like Jesus' birth. I mean, that happened in secret in a dimly lit manger in the middle of the night when no one really knew that it was Christmas Day. He was in the midst of chaos and confusion. He was in the midst of a census that was in full swing at the time. You know, if you know a bit of the um, Christmas story, there was a, a ruler called Caesar. He wasn't a very nice guy. He wasn't a very nice guy and he was, um, he'd ordered this census to be taken throughout the land. And um, the whole motive behind the census was to um, extract more taxes from the people. And they were already overtaxed, they were already oppressed, they were already feeling the pinch. And so at this time of Christmas, their minds were most likely elsewhere. They were most likely asking questions like, how are we going to get by? Is anyone going to come and save us from this Roman oppression? How am I going to put food on the table for my children? How am I going to... Um, pay my taxes. I think I'm sick. I can't be sick. What if I lose my land? I've lost my land. Probably questions that are, that are not that dissimilar 
to what people are asking out there at this time of Christmas. I'm not coping. I'm stressed. I can't deal with my teenage children. My marriage is falling apart. My relationships are breaking down. I'm financially stressed. I'm emotionally stressed. And on that very Christmas day, on that very first Christmas day, in the midst of darkness, when no one really knew it was Christmas, except for Mary and Joseph and a few shepherds and wise men, good news entered the world in the form of a baby laid in a manger. And this is the way John writes it. John chapter 1, verse 5. He writes it this way. He says, What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. See, in that moment, Jesus was birthed into our world, into our chaos, into our confusion, into your pain, into your stress. Our miracle is amongst us. Christmas is good news, isn't it? Jesus is God and Jesus is with us. And then the angels go on to declare more good news. This is what they say, peace on earth. Now that statement, peace on earth, that would have rocked their world, the Israelite people's world, on every level possible. Peace on earth, they'd never experienced peace on earth. I mean, Caesar had sought to keep the peace by sword, by violence, by imposing taxes. Jesus would come and live a life of peace right out before them. But it was completely opposite. It was through service. It was through compassion. It was through standing up for those that couldn't stand up for themselves. It was through speaking up for those who couldn't have a voice. And it was through ultimately laying down his life for you and for me so that we could experience true peace. There was a guy called Isaiah. He lived 700 years before Jesus was actually born. He was called a prophet. Now, a prophet is just a messenger from God. And this is what Isaiah wrote. Remember, 700 years before Jesus is even born. And he wrote it in a book in the Old Testament called Isaiah. That's unusual, isn't it? And this is what he wrote. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he, he's speaking of Jesus now, was wounded and bruised for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was beaten that you might have peace. He was lashed and we were healed. It's powerful, isn't it? See, the first thing that sin took away from us was our peace. It robbed us of our peace with God. It robbed us of our peace with one another. And it robbed us of our peace within, didn't it? What's the very first thing that Jesus redeemed back for us on the cross, brought back for us on the cross? Peace with God. We can now, just by believing in Jesus, have peace with God. And we can have peace with one another. We have to work for it sometimes, don't we? But we can have peace with one another. And most beautiful of all, we can have peace within. And it's not any kind of peace. It's a peace that is lasting, a peace that is genuine. It's not a kind of temporary truth. Did you ever play that game Bali's at school? When you, um, you could get caught, but if you touched a safe place, it was Bali's. It was like a temporary truce. 
Well, the peace of God's not like that. It's not like when you're in church, you can have the peace of God, but when you walk out, you lose it. Or when things start to go wrong in your life, you lose the peace of God. No, Jesus is your peace. So even when your world is falling apart, even when tragedy hits, even when stuff happens, you can have the peace of God because Jesus is your peace. And you carry that peace with you no matter what. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus bought for you. It's good news, isn't it? Well, then look like it's good news. eh? (laughs) Number two, the good news is for all people. Turn to the person next to you and say, all people. All people. From the beginning, the Jewish people faced one particular problem. They kept getting bashed up. They kept getting bullied by their neighboring tribes and nations. They kept getting oppressed by these military superpowers. So by the time Jesus came, they were desperately longing for this Messiah, this king, who they thought were going to come and rescue them from this Roman oppression. And the way that they thought Jesus was going to come and rescue them was they thought he was going to come and place them in their rightful place. And they thought their rightful place was on top. They thought that they needed to be on top like, we're the king of the castle and you're the dirty rascal kind of mentality. The only problem with that philosophy is it doesn't line up with the economy of God. Because God doesn't trade in winners and losers. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Paul's statement there is a radical declaration of the economy of the kingdom of God equal, all of us, together, belonging. It's not for me to decide. It's not for you to decide who belongs. It's not for us to decide who deserves to hear the good news. The good news is for all people. It's not just for this good-looking bunch of people over here. Oh, they, they looked up then. It's not for just this bunch or this bunch. It's not actually just for us in here. It's for all people. It's actually especially for those that don't believe. Listen to what Paul writes again in Romans 10, Romans 10, 14. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? And that leads me into my third and final truth that I want to highlight from Jesus' birth announcement, and that is this. Number three, the good news is meant to be shared. The good news is meant to be shared. This is what the angel said in verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. See, the shepherds, they rarely ventured into town, but this news was too good to be shared. I mean, what's good news for? When you find out something really good, really exciting, what do you want to do? You want to tell someone, don't you? So when you get an A on that really hard exam, what do you want to do? Like I'm getting all these looks like I've never experienced that before. (laughs) 
No? Okay, let's try another one. What do you do when you meet that boy or that girl of your dream? Uh, you want to tell someone, don't you? I mean, I was 20, hadn't had a boyfriend, and I met Aaron. I mean, oh, I just wanted to tell somebody. I mean, you, you won't believe who I met. This just amazing man. He's so good looking. He's so blah, 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 blah. Now, good news is for sharing, isn't it? I mean, when you get that loan on your first house that's approved, you want to tell somebody. When your first baby is born or your second baby is born, you just want to tell somebody. Good news is for sharing. I love the story in John chapter 4. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's about a Samaritan woman. If you don't know the story, a Samaritan woman was just, they're kind of an outcast group of people. And this lady was particularly shunned because she had a bit of a shady past. She'd been with a few blokes and hadn't kind of married any, any of them. And she went to the well in the middle of the day in the stinking hot heat because she didn't want to bump into anybody because she was worried that she would um, be ashamed. And so she goes to the well and she has this random encounter with Jesus. But how many of us know that no encounters with Jesus are random, are they? And so she meets Jesus and she starts to have this conversation with him. And then you listen to the conversation. It's just beautiful. You start to see this hope flicker in her heart where there's just been hopelessness, where there's just been judgment, where there's just been shame, this hope starts to light in her heart. And Jesus starts to tell her about this water, that if she drinks of this water, which is obviously he's talking about relationship with him, if she drinks of this water, she'll never thirst again. Now, this is a woman that's been digging in wells all her life, trying to find acceptance, trying to find purpose, trying to find love in relationships all her life and never found it always come up dry and she starts to hear this good news and you know what she can't help but share it so she risks her reputation and she runs back into the town that has shamed her that's cast her out and this is what she this is what she says in John chapter 4 she says come see a man who knew all about the things I did see he knew her but he still loved her who knows me inside and out do you think this could be the messiah and they went out to see for themselves. You see, she couldn't help but share the good news that she had heard. And she becomes an evangelist. You might say an evangel or what? An evangelist. It's a bit of an old-fashioned term. It's kind of been a bit um, misunderstood in the world and, and maybe in the church. But evangelist just means to share good news. Share good news. Here's the cool bit. The word evangelist, from the Greek word evangelize, comes the word angel, which brings us right back to the start of my message. Those angels were the first evangelists, bringing the good news to a bunch of motley shepherds. Jesus has come. Jesus is God, and Jesus is with us. See, here at Eastlake, if you're a Jesus follower, you are called, we believe you are called to be an evangelist. We just don't use that term so much. We've kind of brought it into the 21st century and we use the term hope trafficker. You are a hope trafficker, which means you traffic hope to a world that so desperately is longing for hope. We traffic good news to a world that is desperately longing to hear the good news. And what better time than Christmas? You know, Christmas, we kind of have this this open door, if you like. 
people are a little bit maybe more open to, to um, hear about Jesus, maybe a little bit more open to come to church. Sometimes it might be the only time of the year that they, that they will come to church. So what an opportunity we have as hope traffickers to invite people to church. And one simple way you can do that this week is take one of these or ten of these and place it in the hands of someone that you know in your world that needs to hear the good news. Can I ask you a question? Have you had an encounter with Jesus at the well of life as such? I know I have. I know in my life I was searching, looking for, for um, I guess, that purpose, I guess that fulfilment in places that, that just didn't bring it to me, that just left me wanting more until I met Jesus and drank of Jesus, drank of that relationship, that hope, that love. doesn't mean that my life was rosy and dandy from that moment onwards. Still had struggles, still had things that I had to work through, but I had hope, I had strength, I had a source of life and purpose. And his name is Jesus, and he's here amongst us this morning. Can I encourage you to be that hope trafficker, be that, that sharer of good news this Christmas? And also to hold on to your peace that Jesus has bought for you. You know, Christmas can be a, a crazy time. It can be a time where, where things try and rob us of our peace. But remember, you have that peace of Jesus within you and you carry that peace. Hold on to that peace because nothing can rob you of that peace. Nothing can separate you from that peace because you have that peace residing in you. Would you pray with me this morning? That would be awesome. Maybe just take that invite in your hand also. If you've got one in your seat, that would, be, that would be brilliant. And the team can come as we do that. That would be great. Thank you, Lord. First of all, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. We're so thankful, Lord. We're so thankful that you entered our chaos. You entered our, our confusion. You entered our darkness as good news to be with us, to be the miracle amongst us, our hope, our peace, our light in the darkness. And I pray for anyone here this morning that might be going through a tough season they might feel like they need some light in their darkness. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will bring that sense of hope, that you'll bring that sense of peace into their heart right now, that you will remind them afresh that you are with them, that you will remind them afresh that you will never leave them, that you will never forsake them and that you will speak words of healing and peace into people's lives right now. And God, because we have personally experienced your hope and peace, we want to be carriers of that good news. We want to be hope traffickers in our world. And so we take this invitation in our hand and we ask, we ask God 
for opportunities. We know opportunities are all around us. We ask for open eyes to see those opportunities. And we ask for courageous hearts to take those opportunities with both hands this week, Lord. We ask that people will come into our paths, Lord, across our paths, that we can place these invites into. We ask, God, that you even go before us and prepare the hearts of those people that we are going to invite, Lord. Soften their hearts that they may be receptive, Lord, to receive that invitation. And God, we ask, we ask, Lord, as a people for many, many, many people's lives to be touched this Christmas with the hope and the peace and the truth of Christmas and the wonder of Christmas, Lord God. We ask, God, for many people's lives to be changed this Christmas in the mighty and the awesome name of Jesus. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask this morning, maybe there's people here this morning that have come here and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never actually taken that step of faith and said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to experience that peace of Jesus in my heart, in my life. All you have to do this morning is actually say yes to Jesus. Say, yes, I believe and yes, I want to follow. I want to receive that forgiveness that you bought for me on the cross, Jesus. So what we're going to do as a congregation right now, we're going to pray a prayer, a simple prayer of faith. And if you'd like to join in with us, we ask that you join in and pray that prayer with us right now in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. You can repeat after me. Dear Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me. I choose to follow you. I give my life to you. Fill my life with your love and life. Come live in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? That would be awesome. If you prayed that prayer for the first time,